All right, so we've got your hymn numbers up here. 384 is our hymn for tonight. By grace I'm saved, grace free and boundless, which will be the opening hymn this Sunday. <laughs> so if we had all this background and history last week on Paul Gerhardt and his baptism hymn and his confessional stance, not nearly as much on this, just as far as just available content on either the hymn writer or the story behind the hymn, just don't have that much. Uh, but we'll still look at it, it's still a good hymn. Uh, but you just don't have all that background in understanding kind of why he writes it, all of that. It's, it's just lesser information, less information. Um, by grace I'm saved, grace free and boundless. Why don't we, um, let's sing the first stanza just to kind of get us, get us warmed up. Ludwig Scheidt is the hymn writer, 1709 to 1761. Um, you know, again, like, so Paul Gerhardt's, I've got, you know, papers written on Paul Gerhardt's, uh, his life and ministry and all the hymns that he wrote. And, you know, Christian Scheidt's, you know, he's got a paragraph about this long and that, that tells everything that we need to know about him. Um, he, he was not a pastor. He's a, a, well, lawyer and librarian, Although it's interesting, he, that's not what he studied. He studied, actually before these two universities, he started at two other universities, but then also the University of Halle, studied theology, and then philosophy at the University of Göttingen. Uh, and, but then, well, I think it was the position that he held was a law position, and then he served as like a librarian in some university library. I think at Göttingen, he, he was a professor I think of law, I think. Um, that's kind of about, that's about it. Uh, uh, they, they said that he studied, or maybe he said this, I don't know. Um, he said he studied uh, theology, or he studied at Halle to learn the ways of God, and at Göttingen to learn the ways of men. I, I don't know if that, I saw that quote, but I don't know if he said that, or if that was just something that someone said of him. Um, there's a story of him in eight children that he had, uh, but they all died uh, young. And this is, this is not nearly as inspiring as Paul Gerhardt's life, which, you know, he had suffered a great loss too. Um, his children died after the youngest died or the, the last one died. Um, his wife, he finds out that his wife was unfaithful to him, and this and then they divorced. It's just sad. <laughs> you know, it's not the kind of, yeah. But, you know, you're looking for biographical, you know, insights into what... That's about all there is on, on the hymn writer. 
1761. So this is later than the pre previous ones that we've been doing. A lot of those were 1600s, right? Um, Paul Gerhardt, early, like 16, what was like 1630s? A lot of the hymns being written in that time frame. Uh, so this is later. Uh, one of the movements that starts, I, I don't know the exact dates on pietism, um, is kind of a, a, a trend, I guess, uh, within Lutheranism and in Germany. And so you can kind of guess, and I think uh, later on did have some connections to the pietist movement. Uh, so we just kind of want to be aware of that when looking at the hymn. Uh, pietism tended to emphasize the feeling behind faith quite a bit, as well as it was sort of viewed as a reaction to what they viewed as kind of dead orthodoxy, the fighting for doctrine, and, uh, and, and then along with that sort of a, a lack of emphasis on moral living, and so part of pietism... We think of that, if you think of someone being pious, we think of them being good, like doing what's right. Um, and so pietism did have that emphasis on a living uh, feeling of faith and then the, the showing it in one's life. So just kind of pay attention to that when we look at this, at this hymn. Uh, musically, also like, you know, earlier hymns, remember we were, that the Meister singers like Luther and Nikolai, where the pastors who write the texts are also writing the tunes, but then we got to Paul Gerhardt last week where he's got a musician who's writing tunes for him, so he doesn't write the, the, the tunes that we know of. Um, this one, this tune is a tune for a different hymn. Um, you probably can't. Odasik Tausend Zunge Hetta. Odasik. Oh, that I had a thousand voices. Um, interestingly, with this tune name, there are two different tunes with this tune name <laughs> in the hymnal. Um, you have uh, da 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 da, but you also have uh, 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 how does it go? That one's also called "Oh That I Had a Thousand Voices." Um, and so, like in the hymnal at the bottom of the page, you might see this where it says "Dretzel." After this one, that's to distinguish it from a different, from the, um, da, 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 da. that's called uh, Koenig, I think, uh, named after the, the person who wrote it. This one, I don't know that we, well, it's called Cornelius Dretzel is the tune writer. Um, nothing very complicated about it. It's got, uh, it, this isn't really the tune itself, but just to notice the rhyme pattern in the, in the hymn, it's an A, B, a, B, C, C, so you have, by grace I'm saved, grace free and boundless, A, my soul believe and doubt it not, B, why waver at this word of promise, going back to the A part, and then has scripture ever falsehood taught, B again, and then the last two lines rhyme then to remain and obtain, see that? So that actually isn't part of the tune, but uh, I put it there. I just want to... Take this opportunity with this hymn just to talk about voice parts. Um, that in mainly hymns, we were talking at, when was that? Table Talk on Friday, we were talking about poetry and how hymn, uh, hymns are a, we might say, a, like a 
branch of poetry, a type or a form of poetry, uh, where you have these stanzas of several lines of verses into a stanza, so that you could sing that stanza with the same melody over and over again. Um, but maybe another characteristic of chorale hymns is generally, at least ones from Lutheran hymn writing period, was that these chorales were set to four parts. Um, and I don't know musically like what other what forms of music that you wouldn't necessarily have four parts, except that they were intended for singing in those parts. Yeah, and so um, and so I don't. This might be familiar to all of us, or you know, like totally old old news that there are four parts. But that's that's kind of a uniqueness to to hymns that not all music has. Um, you listen to most like popular music, you won't have four parts that, are, that can be sung at the same time. You know, um, generally two, maybe three voices is what you can have. You've got a lead singer and you've got a, a, a harmony, you've got the, <laughs> you've got the, you've got the, the lead singer, um, you know, the typical like band, you've got the, the lead singers, maybe a guy, and then you've got the, the, the the pretty girl, and that's the, the backup singer. Maybe you've got two of them, but they're not, they're not singing. It's, it's not intended for that kind of part singing. Hymns are unique in this. And point out they, uh, that each, each line of that is really kind of its own line. And they, you know, then of course they harmonize. Um, so just want to, to hear this. Again, this might be totally... Well, news you know the melody, and, and we know, or the soprano line is generally the melody. Um, I think I pointed out with one of the one of the hymns this summer that during the Reformation time, the melody was not in the soprano. The melody was generally in the tenor. The tenor had the melody, and sopranos, which in the in the the, the church choirs would have been sung by boys, were singing a a harmony part as well as altos. And, uh, and the basis, and they would all have their own book. You'd have a, so these book, these hymns were published in four books, sometimes five books, because you had one with all the parts for the director. But you know, so that's even different than, than choir music today, where you've got all the parts and you're singing your part. I think maybe our, I don't know would would, would our choir members like that if you just had a, a book that just had your part. That's what they had, you know. <laughs> so so you'd have all the hymns. And you didn't have the tenor book. But then the, these would be big books. You didn't actually get your own. You'd have them on a stand big enough that the tenors could stand around it and sing off the book. Not every, you know, there was, these would have been expensive books. So, but just so that you can hear it, yes, we know the melody. Um, I'm going to play, I'm just going to play through, trying to play through the, the alto part. Um, Except, especially those of you who sing alto, it's not anything surprising to you. But just kind of listen to to see if this could be kind of its own melody line.
I'm not on the last one. So close. <laughs> now, Altolines, and I don't, don't you know, any offense, but Altolines are notoriously boring. As far as there's not, this one, this one is, has more movement than most, right? A lot of Generally, they're kind of, it's like D, 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 D. <laughs> it's a lot of, it's, but they provide um, texture to them. Then when you get to the tenor line, tenors are that line. I, in my opinion, kind of the most interesting of them, and most likely to sound like they could be by themselves. Um, now, this one's actually kind of tricky because they notice the lines. All the parts don't line up. You notice on that second line, most of the time, all the all the notes kind of are the same generally. You know, but look at that second line. Believe and doubt it not. Where the top two parts. supposed to do that? Are we supposed to jump on those on those I guess so. Um, so you kind of have to jump and sing the it before before the girls do. Uh, well let me play the rest of this. Uh, notice though too the this is kind of it's a mirror of the melody. The melody starts on F doing the opposite. They're switching places. So between those two parts, they're, you know, they're really singing. But so just just changing changing pitches. setting is not really intended for those to be voices. And you can generally see those if some of the um, some accompaniments for hymns, well, if you would just in your hymn, uh, turn to skip ahead to 440, just put your finger in 3 and keep it in there. Turn to 440. Just as an example. You know, that is this is an example of a choir song that was modified, adapted to be put into a hymnal. Um, and yeah, you see in the, the, the left hand, the bass clef, those notes that 
that's piano, that's piano music or organ music. It's not, um, but it wasn't wasn't originally written as a hymn. So, um, but then the yeah the bass line. you know, and that was kind of demonstrated when you had, you know, if you had a part that just had your tenor part, you'd sing that kind of like it's, like it's its own melody, but then you put it together. It doesn't always work out that way. It doesn't always sound like the, the, the line all by itself could actually be sung. It's not its own melody, but that it, and then it makes, it all makes sense then when it all comes together, but. And I don't know if this is the, the best example of, of that, but just to just for, to look at those um, different parts. Sometimes, you know, you can have some hymns where where the this happens a lot in men's chorus music, where um, the voice the, the parts change. Kind of like what happened at the beginning with the tenor line and the alto line, or the soprano line, where they just switched places. You know, the ones going up, boom, 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 and they're the same. They're singing the same note. Um, they're, they're just opposite. Um, you get that lot where the, the chord stays the same. It's just that, but in the, one of the parts might be playing several, singing several different notes, but the chord is the same the whole way through. So it's gonna be this kind of like, you know, it's like, they're just moving the notes around. Um, we had some of that with that barbershop stuff that we had sung. I don't remember, it was like that Jingle Bells that we had sung for, you know. There are some parts of that where like, it's the same. It's the same chords. It's just different voices singing those same notes. <laughs> like we were moving around back and forth, but that the the total number of chord of notes that were being sung were exactly the same. But you have different voices singing, and and it sounds what? Because it'd be it would be so boring to sing the same thing. Because then we'd all be altos. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, then I'll be... Yeah, because then I'll be... It makes the it... The sound is the same, right? It's not, because you have... Because you have... When you're singing going up, it's different. Well, so you have different voice qualities, right? And so different... So it, 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 it sounds different. And there's a different sort of thing when you're reaching for a note, or when, you know, so when... When the tenors um, go down lower, is different when the basses come up high because they have different parts. When sopranos go low, is a different. You know, when a soprano sings a D above middle C, you know, right above middle C, that sounds different than when the when the sopranos do it. The, when the altos do it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah.
Okay, the other thing in the, in the music uh, for this one is, notice the, the key, sig- or time signature, sorry. Time signature of 6-4. Uh, yeah, don't want to insult anyone's intelligence, but can someone explain to me what 6-4 means? <laughs> okay, so yeah, the, the, the top note is how many beats are in the measure, and then the, the bottom one, the quarter note, gets the beat. So we would have six beats, six quarter notes. Um, notice, though, the first measure is a half measure. It's, a, it's like a pickup kind of thing. So you have three in the first one. Skip that one, because you also have three in the last one. So it's a... So... Um, well, then you'd have to put you'd have to put eighth notes in there. Um, but I don't, you know, I, I never know. I, there are equivalent time signatures, but I think there's generally real, reason, and it's either in the way it's counted or felt. And I think this one is is true. Um, bum bum. Uh, so you'd have one, three. Four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six. Um, by grace, I'm so. Four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six. So you wouldn't count it in six. You wouldn't count one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four. How would. Um, How are you feeling? I'm giving it away, I think. Um, By grace, I'm saved. And you're not, it's not really like in, in two. Where's the emphasis in, the, in the, the measures and the phrasing? By grace, I'm saved. Grace free and boundless. My soul believe and doubt it not. Where is that? Hmm? It's one and four, so there's really two in every measure. So you could, I mean, it's, it's almost like you have, like, triplets within end your, you know, you know, bum, 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 one, two, one, two. And that keeps it from, it, when you have to count a bunch of different ones, one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three. But you're still, where's the, there's a pulse in there. But what happens, so now you have, whether this was in 3-4 um, or, I, and I think, I suppose 3-4 because you, you would expect that to be slower. I don't know. Would, would you put 3-4, you know, 1, 2, 3, 1, you know. In hymns, typically, one. Uh, what's, a, no, what's an example of a 3-4 hymn? G, no, that one's the, that's three. Da, 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 da. That one's kind of, this. Um, so you're, you're feeling the two, but what are you feeling every, every two? Yeah. The, they are multiples of three. So it's one, two, three. What does, yeah, that's, so beats that are, Three, multiples of three have the feeling of light dancing, like the waltz. Yeah? One, two, three, one, two, three, 
but you're not counting the three. You're feeling the, by grace I'm saved, grace free and boundless. My soul believe and doubt it not. Why waver at... Okay, but you're feeling that, you feel that? It, and you might not do it. Probably not, like, not waltzing in church, but... Why waver at this word? What does it do to the, to the feeling of the, of the tune? Of promise has scripture ever falsehood taught. What is it? Do you kind of feel that it sort of lifts? That you kind of want you kind of it, there's something there's something that well speaking of catchy and I hesitate I hesitate to show it but I and and I'm not I don't want to um, my, my my point is to a, a tool for us to evaluate whether this is a good version or adaptation or. Whether it, whether it captures what the, the, the tune, the melody, the time portrays. And then when we look at the text later on, we're going to kind of see. Because this is going to show us the same text. Um, they're singing. These are, these are Wells people, Wells Church. Um, I guess it's sorry. But um, I'm going to have to fast forward. I found a, a short one, but this one actually shows them live. Um, so, so I need to skip ahead to minute seven in here. So this is a concert. This is, it's a benefit for one of the someone.
They got an hour more of their concert. Um, same melody. The, the beat is there. One, two, three, four, five, six. What's the difference, though? I mean, I. It, it's faster, but I'm not sure it's that. It's actually. By grace, I'm saved. Grace free and by. Hmm? You could play it like that with an organ. Wow, I don't even know how someone would play that that way. What's what are they playing? I mean, because you've got the the drum and that's it's driving that one, that six beat, and not the which takes away the the feel of the the lightness, the the lifting that that have it's it, um Hannah listening with his hands. It's kind of like an. It's an aggressive six, or it's an aggressive, you know, it's a, it's a beat that kind of wants you to keep falling over. Because there is that, there's always that, um, what sometimes people refer to as the backbeat, and it's, it's kind of keeping you up. We talked about that last time, or the time when we sang, oh, one, I don't remember which one, but where we looked at another hymn where they, you know, they have a different, you know, and it just kind of keeps you off guard, kind of keeps you from having... I think the lightness? I don't know. Um, but it, 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 it's driving. It's certainly, it's catchy. It, it's going to, you know, get, you know, how would you dance to this? You're not waltzing anymore. I couldn't even do it to keep clapping. <laughs> 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 it's just it's tiring, right? You, you just can't keep, you know, like, what would you do? You'd be like, dum, dum. It's kind of got this angry, it's like, it made me think of like, Beavis and Butthead kind of, or and a witch is the one that was kind of like aggressive. It's just like, dun, 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 you know, kind of like, <laughs> it's, it's to me not well. It's like the question will be like, 
So, we're not, we, we're not going to say that this is evil for them to take a, a tune and, you know, beat it up a little bit. Um, but the question that we want to ask is, does, does, this, does this serve the text? Is what we want to look at now. So, let's look at the... It was not. It was in the ch- church. That where was they, the church. That was the church, and they do, like... I know, but I'm saying that like, that is not the church. It is the, like, it is the style... For the, the service, but yeah. It was the core in Appleton. The core. Appleton, Wisconsin, yes. Um, so, him, if you've got a Bible, uh, look at Ephesians chapter 2. I suggested to Hannah with the, with the little kids, you could have them count how many times the word grace is used. Um, if you wanted to do that, you can. I could tell you how many times. Oh, it's a lot. Um, the, by the most common word here in the, by grace, I'm saying, well, so we should know what this, what is, what do we mean by grace? What is grace that this speaks of? Um, Romans chapter, or I'm sorry, not Romans, Ephesians chapter 2. We want, I mean, verses 8 and 9 are, are really the, the centerpiece, but maybe we should just glance at the opening verses of this chapter, right? Uh, chapter 2, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us also lived among them at one time. So who the, the us there would be us Christians, right? Uh, first he says, as for you, you were dead in sins. But then this is, this is common to all of us, right? Uh, lived among them at the one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following the desires, uh, its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. So what would be talk, this would be talking about before before coming to faith, right? By nature. Uh, objects of wrath, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in, with Christ, even when we were dead in, our trans, in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So their grace is that you were uh, made alive even when we were dead in transgressions. Grace. Uh, in verse 6, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not from, from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. In fact, the word grace, uh, charis, uh, in Greek is related to the word for gift. Um, that this is, so what is, what is, how do we define grace? By grace you've been saved, and, and Paul kind of does it in the text, right? For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, not from yourselves, gift of God. And then, then all these exclusions. It's not this, not, not by works, so that no one can boast. Uh, so it is God's saving by his action, 
not by any merit of ours, right? Because we couldn't, because we were by nature dead in trespasses and sins. We were by nature objects of wrath. So it couldn't have been any contribution of ours, right? It had to be entirely God's doing. Yeah? Uh, this is what we refer in theology to monergism, which is one working instead of synergism is working together. Um, cooperation is what we do with the Latin. Synergism is kind of like the Greek version of that, uh, is to work with, right? Monergism is one working, someone working alone. That's the little red hen, is that it? Um, working by herself. Uh, God, moner, divine monergism is God doing it on his own. And grace um, requires that, that to be God's work by himself. Okay, so that's the nature of grace. So grace is, what's the short and definition that you might have learned for grace? Grace is, yeah, God's undeserved love in Christ, right? Which is adequate, or it's useful for us to have that kind of a short definition, right? God's undeserved, unmerited, nothing in us, we didn't contribute. Uh, God's doing this, right? By grace. Um, and this is our salvation, right? So that's the first thing. Then we want, the second thing we want to notice, though, uh, and we see in this hymn, is the use. So like last, last week when we were talking about um, the baptism of him, all Christians who have been baptized, and we said, well, first we, we learn um, our need for baptism, um, and then the, the effectiveness of baptism, the baptism does what God says it does. But then the third thing was the use of baptism, demonstrating that, Baptism is something that we, like, we, it, do, it continues to do something. It, it's something that we live in. Use it well. You are made new in Christ, a new creation. So we use baptism by kind of tapping into it, remembering it. What is our use of grace? We'll come to it as we go through it. But let's look through the, each of the stanzas now. We're seeing what grace is, but then what does grace do? Or how do, what for? Why, do we, why would we sing this? Um, notice, too, that this is a hymn. It's sort of an introspective hymn. Um, by grace, I'm saved. Grace, who's singing it? I'm singing it. To whom? Um, my soul believe and doubt it not. It's kind of singing to myself. Right? Um, it, I'm, not, I, I'm not, like, particularly singing to someone else with this hymn. I'm... I'm we're, we're, singing it to, to ourselves. By grace I'm saved, grace free and boundless, my soul believe and doubt it not. Um, which you would only have to say if there's some inclination to doubt it, some reason to doubt it, or some like, well, why would you say don't doubt it unless there was something that could possibly come up that would ever doubt that. Um, my soul believe and doubt it not. Why waver? Again, waver. Um, Wavering is some kind of something that something does under pressure, right? I'm, I'm wavering. I, I was sure, but now I'm not so sure anymore. Why, he says. Why do that? Why waver at this word of promise? But it kind of hints that there might be some pressure to waver, some doubt that could come. Um, why waver at this word of promise? Has Scripture ever falsehood taught? So the answer to that question is, no, if Scripture has not falsehood, it is Luther's um, known for using this, he does that a lot. He says, "And God would not lie to you." Does God have a? Does God, is God 
typically lie to you. <laughs> and if he's got a track record of telling you the truth, has scripture ever falsehood taught? So then, therefore, why should you waver at this word of promise? If he's given a promise, you shouldn't have to, to waver then. Why waver at this word of promise? Has scripture ever falsehood taught? So then, this word must true remain. By grace, you too shall have obtained. So if, if scripture is true, and God is not a liar, yeah, okay, what, what, this gets into the content of grace here in stanza two. By grace, God's son, our only savior, came down to earth to bear our sin. So there's like creed kind of language, right? What, um, the content of grace, God did not just, God's undeserved love, but that's why I said, um, we defined it, God's undeserved love in Christ. How do we know what God's love, God's undeserved love is? Is that he sent his son. Very important. Um, Apart from Jesus, you have no gracious God. Or you have no idea that the God is gracious apart from his son. Yeah. A very, very important key. Um, you know, God so loved the world. How, how did he love the world? Yeah, the so is not, in that verse in John 3.16, the so is not like so much. The so is in this way. God so loved the world, God in this way loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So um, that, that is God's grace, that he came, our only savior came down to earth to bear our sin. Was it because of your own merit that Jesus died your soul to win? Answer to that question? No, it wasn't. Um, not your merit. <laughs> it was something else. <laughs> Um, that, that caused this, right? Was it because of your own merit that Jesus died your soul to win? So did Jesus, did Jesus come and die for you because you, you were so lovable? You know? But they're so cute. You know? Um, no. No, it was grace and grace alone that brought him from his heavenly throne. Um, th- this is a, another reflection. We have this a lot in our hymns. That, that point to God's grace even in just sending his son. Which is, which is why we can, um, we can celebrate Christmas with all the fullness of the joy of Easter. Um, I, I just see this so much in, in our Christmas hymnody. That are like, if God sent his son, if God became one of us, game's over. Um, it's, it's this declaration from God that he's not going to leave us because he's in. He's putting some skin in the game. Because once Jesus takes on human flesh, we'd say, well, what harm can sin and death then do? <coughs> the true God now abides with you. But sin and Satan, storm and grave, Christ is your brother, you are safe. <laughs> you know, he hasn't even gone to the cross yet. But we say, but if, if God sent his son, came in my flesh. You know, he hasn't finished the, the job yet, but it's, it's as good as done. Um, and that's kind of what you have here. It was grace and grace alone. We know that God is gracious from the Christ child. He has to be. Okay? Because he sent his son, he, and he didn't send his son to be an angel or a donkey or something like that. He sent his son to be a man, 
to save men. Um, and what I, now that I, that I share his flesh and blood, now we're, we're kin. You know, he's, he's got to help. He can't leave me because he's one of us. By grace, verse 3, by grace, O oh, mark this word of promise. When you are by your sins oppressed, when Satan plagues your troubled conscience and when your heart is seeking rest, what reason cannot comprehend God by his grace to you did send? Uh, so this gets into the part of the, uh, what it describes as use. So when do you need this? What are you going to do with it? Um, so first it notes we're going to mark this. You know, mark it, pay attention to it. Um, it's kind of, it, it, this is reminiscent of the prayer um, that we would, the prayer that we would read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest was the old language. How do they say it? How does it go now? Like, we'd learn and take them to heart. <laughs> it's kind of softened. It was, mark them. Pay attention. Um, so we're going to take, so we're going to take note of this word of promise, but it's in particular con- circumstance. We'll mark this word of promise when? When you are by your sins oppressed, when Satan plagues your troubled conscience and your heart is seeking rest. So the first use would be in times of troubled conscience. Um, and, and it assumes that we will be. Um, and we should be. So there's, a, there's stanzas that aren't in our handle. Surprise, surprise. What do we have? Five of them? There are ten of them in this German Wells hymnal. Ten of them. But one of them, and I've got a translation of them, so I don't have to translate on the fly. Lest, lest we would take either grace, if we take sin lightly, we'll take grace lightly. If we take grace lightly, we'll take sin lightly. There's a couple of stanzas in here that kind of, you know, so that we wouldn't think that this is kind of like, Treat this grace as being cheap. It's forgiveness. You know, like this idea that, well, and we, just, we just know how this works, you know. I love to sin. God loves to forgive. Good deal. You know, kind of like, everything's fine. Um, no, sin's not fine. That we can never, like, look at sin lightly just because, well, he's going to forgive me anyway, so what, what's, what's the big deal? Uh, so these, these two stanzas that are not, didn't make it in. By grace, but think not, those who livest securely on in godless ways, that thou, though all are called, receivest the promised rest that wakes our praise. By grace, none find in heaven a place who live in sin in hope of grace. Um, And then he says, by grace, they who have heard this sentence must all hypocrisy forego. For only after deep repentance can any soul this treasure know. To sin, free grace a trifle seems. To faith, it bright with glory beams. So it says, you know, the first one. Don't think, you who live securely on in godless ways, that, that you, though all are called, receive the promised rest that wakes our prayers. You know, don't think that if you live securely in sin, that you're the beneficiary of this promise. This does require repentance. Sin does require repentance. But, of course, that repentance is not our work either. You know, so that, like, it's still not our work. That's the work of God through his law that awakens our conscience, right? That's God's good doing. 
That's God's good work that his law would prick us. I think I said in the sermon. You know, the Ten Commandments, Old Testament reading. Like, they're intended to, to stir us up. Uh, and, and that should, that would kind of be a warning to us if they don't wake us up, if it never pricks our conscience, you know, never feel like, you know, I, I don't, I mean, that can be a problem of never feeling it. I think that, that can be, uh, my, my guess is for most, if, if we're honest with ourselves as Christians, our conscience is, is real and active. And so for us, that then the, 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 the stanzas. Maybe those stanzas would have been useful in there just to make sure that no one's getting by without a conscience <laughs> or, without, or kind of shutting their conscience up because we can do things to our conscience. Um, some people will try to drink it away. That doesn't really work. Um, not really. Um, or just, you know, like they salve it with kind of excuses or, or the kind of like, well, yeah, like I'll just be forgiven then. It's fine. You know, it's no big deal. And brush it off brush off the conscience, not what we want to do. We want to calm the conscience uh, with the word of grace. Uh, so when you're by your sins oppressed, uh, when Satan plagues your troubled conscience, I was reading, when I read in the Augsburg Confession, the Lutheran Confessions in general, they speak of this a lot, of the troubled conscience. They were very concerned about troubled consciences in the Church of Rome, being troubled without the message of the clear gospel. They were being told you know, that your faith really is formed by love, that you don't really believe or you're not really saved unless you show love as a, you know, that that's kind of part of the deal and you kind of got, you know, so what we would describe as a salvation by works, um, that doesn't provide you consolation for the conscience because you never really love enough. Yeah, not completely, not fully. Um, so mark this when you're by your sins oppressed. So when the conscience does ring its bell, when Satan plagues your troubled conscience, um, and then that Satan, is a, he's a nasty bugger. He, just the lies that he tells, um, or the truths. <laughs> when, when, you know, when, because sometimes he'll use the conscience to, to rile us up unnecessarily, things that, we, that weren't even wrong. They'll do, but certainly they'll use what we have done and magnify them after we've done them. Before we do them, then they seem small. After we've done them, then they seem really big. Um, is that different than in the mirror? Is that what does it say on the on the mirrors? That say some uh, things that objects in the mirrors are pure. Yeah. So so in the in the rear view mirror, Satan always makes our sins seem bigger. Because now you can't, like in the, if you're looking forward at them, you would, if it was something really big, you would avoid it. So he makes it seem small when it's up in front of us, and then really big when it's behind us. Because now he can come, and for the rest of your life, he can whisper, but you did, but you did, um, or didn't. Um, and, and, you know, maybe thinking eventually that this is too big if people would know, but no one's going to know because I'm never going to tell them I'm going to keep this to myself and keep, you know, like, not good. So, when Satan plagues your troubled conscience and when your heart is seeking rest, you're trying to find rest, but you can find none because my conscience keeps on waking me up because it keeps on reminding me um, what reason cannot comprehend God by his grace to you did send. This is going not, this is not, we're not going to 
reason our way out of a guilty conscience. Sometimes we'll do that too. You ever do that? You try to talk yourself into um, thinking better of your actions or your, you know, like you, you reason it out. You, you, you think of all the reasons why you were right to act in a certain way or something like that. Well, you know, it just made sense. What else was I going to do? You know, you just kind of you, you ration it up. You have, reason is not going to teach us this. We're not going to get to real peace, real rest by thinking that kind of thought. And, and it's going to have to come from the outside. Um, further on, verse 4, by grace. So if, these, if in 3, you kind of have inside, inside voices, uh, the conscience, the trouble uh, within. Maybe in 4, you have kind of stuff from the outside. By grace to timid hearts that tremble. In tribulations, furnace tried. By grace, despite all fear and trouble, the Father's heart is opened wide. So there's, um, it seemed like, I, I don't know if this is the translator put a lot of T words in, in this section, but and you have trembling and tribulation and trouble. You have, you have stuff, um, despite all fear and trouble, um, the cross, suffering. What's the... What's going on there? Um, we understand when, when you've got the voice of conscience plaguing you with either real or imagined guilt, right? You can see Satan behind that, wanting us to believe that, wanting to doubt the gospel. What's going on when trouble comes? What's going on kind of in our, in our soul or how do we react to it? So, so it could be something like that, like, why is this happening to me? And then what are my answers? <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking either, yeah, God doesn't like me. He's got it out for me. Maybe he's got it out for me because there could be my conscience kind of coming back, right? Maybe I'm thinking through this. I'm thinking, oh, maybe I deserve this. Maybe I don't, but then... I'm wrestling with... Yeah, why is this happening? What's my place? Yeah. What's my future? You know, how long is this going to go on? Um, and you just see how that can... So... Um, and just, oh, do you see how that's different for the Christian? versus just, Everyone gets sick, let's, for, as an example, right? Everyone gets sick. Um, and everyone, I suppose, wrestles a little bit with why am I sick? You know, or they might think through that if, you know, like, why is this happening to me? What for the Christian? Um, the temptation to doubt whether God's care, promises, also just because it's just miserable. And I, it takes my mind off of, you know, it, it focuses me on how I feel. And not so. If if my concern is to be uh, love for God and love for my neighbor, um, in times of trial, that focuses me inward. Typically, it, well, for the Christians, <laughs> for the Christian, it can actually drive us out if we 
with faith in Christ. Um, but so you see this. You see, okay, now there's this other, this time of, of testing that comes upon me. Um, what, what does grace do? Despite all fear, by grace, despite all fear and trouble, no matter what, the Father's heart is open wide. Where could I help and strength secure? So, so in the time of trial, where are you looking for help? What's the temptation? Is where am I going to look for help and strength? Well, hopefully the doctors have some answers. Or I'm, you know, hopefully, you know, this is going away and I'm look where am I going to look for help in this? And either that can tempt me to drive me further, either into myself, my own needs. You know, do, do you get to, you'll see this happening in people when they are struggling, where they do, finally, I think it's a gift that God gives, where they're willing to accept trial that doesn't have an ending or a reason or whatever. It's this, it's, God gives me my days of gladness and I will trust him still when he sends me sadness. Um, where could I help and strength secure if grace were not my anchor sure? I mean, I'm, if I'm just floating around and I have no way, I have no idea which way I'm floating. Um, that describing grace as an anchor that's going to hold me to something solid. So I'm not just floating about wherever the wind blows me and feel like I'm just getting beaten and blown away. Uh, but if grace... God's grace, that God loves me in Christ. Um, okay, I know, I know I'm not going any further than, than his grace allows. Verse 5, by grace on this I'll rest when dying. In Jesus' promise I rejoice. For though I know my heart's condition, I also know my Savior's voice. My heart is glad all grief has flown since I'm saved by grace alone. This one's a hard one. So I usually pick it as an opening hymn of the service. And I have to try to compose myself before I start to have to talk or sing <laughs> by myself. Because these lines get me every single time. For though I know my heart's condition, I also know my Savior's voice. Um, particularly in dying. I don't think it's only in dying. Um, but here, here's, here's kind of the, fi- the final, here's the final trial. Um, when dying, I'm going to look to what? Jesus' promise. In Jesus' promise, I'll rejoice. Um, because, though I know my heart's condition, I, <laughs> just that statement, though I know my heart's condition, just kind of opens up this, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> This is the situation. My, my place before sin, my, my condition, even my physical heart, um, you know, my, my body that will waste away. For though I know my heart's condition, I, I know what the situation is. I know what I deserve. I know I'm my, my um, weakness. My mortality. Yeah. For though I know my heart's condition, 
I know my Savior's voice. Recalls Jesus' words, remember, um, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. They listen to my voice. So I, I do know my heart's condition. I know it full well. I know the situation that this is. Um, and so even facing death, um, so one voice is going to have to be louder. I, 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 I know what's up. I know what happens to us. <laughs> I've seen it. I've been at many bed, death, deathbeds. Um, but there's this voice. My Savior's voice, which says what? In the face of the conscience, it says your sins are forgiven. In the face of trial, it says, you know, um, it speaks speaks of His care and that these things are so. These these are not these trials are not some kind of God really doesn't really care about you and God's just you know it's not that. I know my Savior's voice. I imagine what that sounds like. I don't know if you do. What Jesus' voice sounds, sounds like something. <laughs> yeah. I've, been, I've joked about that. You know, like if I'm, if I'm afraid that I'll be disappointed if I get to, to heaven and Jesus is a tenor. And it's, you know, it's like a high-pitched voice. Because I'm imagining, you know, this very smooth, sonorous, like... You know, come unto me. I imagine him sounding like Aslan. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of almost a growl to his voice, um, or a purr. You know, just kind of this low, rumbly sort of. What does Jesus' voice sound like? I mean, it sounds like something. He's got vocal cords, but that's not really what we mean here, right? We don't mean the the the, the tender, the, the the pitch of his voice. We mean, we know his word. We know his promise. We recognize him. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. So how would we know Jesus' voice? How do sheep learn their shepherd's voice? That from the time they're, they're born, that's what they hear. And they listen to the call. Initially, I suppose they follow mom. Um, but they, they listen to it and they spend a lot of time together. That's how babies, you know, babies learn their mother's voice before they're born. They're, uh, and, and, you know, how in the way that, that a mother's voice is soothing to a child. You know, that, that's the way it is with Jesus and his voice. But we do not, again, not the, like the, the sound of the voice, like it's kind of this soothing lullaby sort of sound, but that we, it's his promise, right? Um, in Jesus' promise, I rejoice, we sing. Um, I know my heart's condition, but I know my Savior's voice. So my heart's condition is going to tell me one thing. My Savior's voice is going to tell me another. The, the, I know my heart's condition. That's a reality. But in, in the face of that reality, which is all of this, that's going to happen... I say, but Jesus says something about all of us. So in the midst of this, okay, what does Jesus say? And what's the conclusion? My heart is glad. I'll grieve this one. <laughs> At Jesus' voice. All of that disappears. 
Um, so we learn to listen to the voice of Jesus by listening to his word, hearing his word. Um, and uh, my heart is glad all grief has flown since I am saved by grace alone. There's another, that, so that's in the German, that's not the final stanza, the second to last stanza. There's a, a final stanza. Uh, I'll just read it in translation. Aus Gnaden dies sind und Teufel. But, which is great, you know, hear this, sin and devil. <laughs> that's not as, yeah, that's all right. Uh, by grace may sin and Satan hearken. I bear my flag of faith in hand. And pass, for doubts can't, my joy can't darken, and pass the Red Sea to the promised land. I cling to what my Savior taught, and trust it, whether felt or not. Yeah. So like imagine you know, I'm, I'm crossing the, the Red Sea to the Promised Land in the German. It's, it's from the, through the Red Sea to Canaan. Uh, in spite of all doubt, I'm going to stand there ready to, to go in. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go across into the Promised Land uh, confidently, cling to what my Savior taught and trust it whether felt or not. Because I, I believe what Jesus' word promises whether I feel it or I feel it not, which is amazing for someone time of pietism. You know, because like you, the, the trend was to center my security and faith upon how my feeling or my response of faith in my behavior. And for him to conclude this sentence that, that by grace also means that I'm going to believe this whether I feel it or not. This is objective reality. And the objective reality is what Jesus promises. It's Jesus' word. That's pretty good. So, question related to, so now having looked at the text, um, any reason why can you, ma- you can imagine him, the, this wanting to be sung to a uh, 6-4 time that makes you feel like you want to dance. <laughs> or is it more appropriate to have a driving kind of aggressive? Any thoughts there? <laughs> How would you dance to it? <laughs> is it... <laughs> grace makes you feel light. I was gonna say, like, and grace that, is like a little aching face kind of thing, right? Yeah, it's not really. It, it's <laughs> this. This sounds like getting beat down with a drum, kind of. To me, like that's my kind of take on it. Is like. Dun, 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 dun. Like there's something to that. The, there could be like the confidence. In that, that kind of like in-your-face devil, maybe. But I, I think that, you know, overall, it's in, in, in consideration of these things, in the face of these things, all, all, all my heart is glad, all grief has flown, since I am saved by grace alone, feels like it could make you want to get up and waltz. <laughs> Yeah, I've been lifted of this burden. 
from the, of the conscience, the weight of the world and the cross that's been laid on me. And here comes Jesus by his word and promise and says, by grace, you too shall have an obtain. You know, like this is this is word of promise that has set me free. Pum 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 pum. That's the way I would sing it. That's the way I would dance to it, if I were to dance to it. Uh, but the idea, just being it, it kind of it, it does something to your self, and it should. You know, um, we're not by the music, trying to manipulate our emotions to feel something. We're recognizing something from the word of God that does, it, 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 it leads us somewhere. Um, I'll, you know, my heart is glad, all grief has flown since I am saved by grace alone. I'm free. Bum, 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 pa, ta, 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 ta. I suppose that someone might want to put a driving beat to it, rock it up a little bit. Um, uh, probably thinking that, you know, that's what the kids like these days. You know, they need, they need a beat. They need something they can dance to. Um, I, I'm going to show you a, a, another video of um, this hymn being performed also by, I mean, well... The, the performance and probably most of the people in the audience in that, uh, that, that concert were probably not teenagers. These are, mostly, I think, singing this. And then we'll, we'll sing the hymn when the kids come. This is a youth conference in Missouri Synod.
do you suppose it's important for um, teenagers to sing on this I'll rest when dying? Or by grace will mark this word of promise when you are by your sins oppressed when Satan plagues your troubled conscience? I would think so. Um, um, the, the hymn in German, uh, the, each, each line, so we have by grace um, in German, it's Ausgnaden, Ausgnaden, like out of grace, but by grace it, it means. Um, when, when I was growing up, we, we said the table prayer. So, come Lord Jesus, be our guest. Um, it's had a different version, I think. What do we say? Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest, and may like some like may this food we have be blessed, or something like that. Um, but in German, Grandpa would say it. It was Come, Herr Jesus, I answer Gast, und segne was du uns ausgenan beschert hast, Amen. What you have bestowed upon us by grace, which is not in most. When I look looked that up in German, most other versions don't have that aus ausgenan, which that phrase is the same phrase here. And it was a nice nice addition um, that even the what we receive at the table is also by grace. I just think of that when I just that's each each stanza I'll get on. Anything else before kids should be coming shortly? How about let's um, stanza one? Let's read through it a couple times and see how much of it. Uh, speaking it first, a few times speaking it, and we'll try singing it just and see see if you can look away once we get through it a few times. Ready? By grace I'm saved, grace free and boundless. My soul believe and doubt it not. Why waver at this word of promise? Has scripture ever falsehood taught? So then this word must true remain. By grace you too shall heaven obtain. Let's do it again. Stands one again. By grace I'm saved, grace free and boundless. My soul believe and doubt it not. Why waver at this word of promise? Has scripture ever falsehood taught? So that this word must truly remain. By grace you too shall have it. I was, um, when I was looking at things I'd look up on YouTube by Grace I'm Saved, Grace Free and Boundless and like this death coining version that's one thing that came up plus this other thing that came up one thing that came up I thought was interesting was a version that was just read it's just someone reading the text of it they didn't know who it is it's Brian Wolfmiller some of you may recognize the name just three I'm obsessed with squeezing a little bit more out of me By grace I'm saved, for doubt. By grace I'm saved, grace, free and boundless. My soul believe and doubt it not. Why stagger this word of promise? Hath scripture ever falsehood taught? Nay, then this word must true remain. By grace thou too shalt heaven obtain. By grace, none dare lay claim to merit. Our works and conduct have no worth. God, 
in his love sent our Redeemer, Christ Jesus, to this sinful earth. His death did for our sins atone. And we are saved by grace alone. Yeah. I could play through all that, but if you wanted to, to hear him read the. Uh, but just notice the difference when you're taking the same text and just kind of reading it, pausing, you know, kind of. Well, that can be a useful trick or something like that. Not trick, just useful thing to try to capture what's going on in him. Sometimes when we're singing it, we don't have the time to think through how all of it's connected to each other. And so sometimes speaking it like that can be useful. Uh, to you that maybe maybe not out loud but you know that, that's the kind of thing that like before church as you're sitting there you can look up one of the hymns and just read through it more in that way if you do it out loud I don't think anyone's going to me it's no more disruptive than someone chatting about the weather or something like that you know so <laughs> you, you, you can do it as loud as everyone else is talking <laughs> um, but that can be kind of useful just kind of getting phrases and, and figuring out if you ever run into someone who just you know they're not a not a singer and they like I don't think there's any you know when someone it's always nice to you know do their best and try but just reading along with the words you know that's what I would encourage anyone like if anyone says I'm not you know I'm not a singer it's, just look at the words that's all like that's You've got half of it. Let everyone else sing to you, but follow along so that you know what they're singing to you. They're helping you out. That's, that's, what, that's what we're here for. We're here to help each other, right? And so those who are not the strong, uh, the strong singers, or you know, if they don't have a voice at all, we'd sing to them. Um, but it would help them out a whole ton if they would look at the words and see just in case they didn't catch them all. You know? Um, if someone says, I just sit and listen to them, I guess I, I'll live with them, but it would probably be helpful if you looked at the words. <laughs> it would also tell us that you're paying attention to the words <laughs> and you're not just grumpy. Um, <laughs> like if you sit there like this. <coughs> yeah. Any other thoughts on the hymn? Okay. Okay. Um, the words are different. Yeah. But it has ten verses. Ten? Okay. What? Uh, Where does that come from? That's an English one. Yes. This is English. This is Korean. So it has a maiden name, and she was married, I think, around 1929. So It's, it's interesting to me, and, and uh, I said, you sure you're comforting when you read through a lot of the liturgy parts. It's the same as what we use now. You know, we haven't changed, yeah. and that's really cool to me. Yeah, it, it, it's just this notion that what we're doing is you know, we're just we're just carrying on the same thing, and so it's not it's not about us being clever. You know, we're just doing what we've been given to do. And, it's good for us to understand why that's good to do. Like, so if, it, if we were just doing it just because Grandma did it, um, that's a good start. 
I think it's a good place to start. You know, like, if you don't know what you're going to do, and, you know, because if you don't know what you're doing, and you're making something, you know, it's like, who is that? I always forget who wrote it. I want to say it's G.K. Chesterton, but I don't know. You know, it says someone who comes across a, a fence in a field and doesn't know why it's there is the last person that should move that fence. Right? If you don't know why it's there, you shouldn't be messing with it. <laughs> Unless you know exactly why it's there, then maybe, you know, if either you put it there or, you know, like... And so if, if we want to change something, we should know why it was there in the first place. If we come across something, we, I don't know why we do this. Um, well, then <laughs> we shouldn't just get rid of it because <laughs> there might have been a reason for it. it. There might not have been, you know, because you know, you've heard that story about like the, you know, the woman who always cut off the ends of a ham or something like that. And, and like she didn't know why she did it, but so she called her mom and she says, you know, I, and she had some, she was like, well, I thought it was to, you know, it, it did something with the juices in the ham, but, but you know, I'm not sure. I, my mom, my mom did it. So she calls her mom. She says, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I think it was this, but I thought, and so they ask, you know, great grandma. She says, I don't know why you turkeys do it, but my pan was too short. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there could have been a reason that isn't a reason anymore. That's possible. Um, and if we were just doing it for that, you know, for just because, um, like, uh, why do we sing uh, glory be to you, O Lord, and praise be to you, O Christ, before and after the gospel? Um, the new hymnal doesn't have that in it. Um, does that come from somewhere? And, and I'm sure that the people in the hymnal community, they looked that up and found about something or another. But, but it's an interesting thing. You know, here's the gospel reading. Before the gospel, we sing, glory be to you, O Lord, which is kind of like, you know, the, the, the glory of the Lord in the Old Testament. Um, so, to common words, so you have this kind of looking forward to the gospel um, from, from, you know, the prophets, which we've read from in the Old Testament reading, and we're looking towards, and, and the new, following the gospel, singing praise be to you, O Christ, recognizing that it's in the gospel where we discovered that the Lord of the Old Testament is the Christ, the Messiah, the one who is to come. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, that's one explanation for that, but they, they have a reason, right? Um, it's, someone would ask me one time that in El Paso, like, why, why is one before and one afterwards? What's the difference? And that time I didn't know, and I you know, still I do not, don't have a definitive um, explanation for exactly that or how long has that been has that been a, an acclamation before and after the gospel but it's in there you know? and, and so like that, that's one we're like well you know they did it <laughs> and uh, so that's a good place to start you know and so like imitating your grandma in, in probably so many ways um, is often a good place to start if you don't know and then we can learn you know if you know if what grandma was doing was dumb then later on we could we could abandon that if we need to but it's a good you know i wouldn't start by just saying well just because someone old did it we're not going to and then hit with the times well i think we're ready to to sing the hymn and you'll play
Let us close with prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Almighty Son of God, we beseech you, send your Holy Spirit into our hearts through your word, that he may rule and govern us according to your will. Comfort us in every temptation and misfortune, and defend us by your truth against every error, so that we may continue steadfast in the faith, increase in love and good works, and firmly trusting in your grace, which you purchased for us by your death, obtain eternal salvation. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen.